some of us wonder why the church has lost so much influence in America. It's because we're not tending to the fire. We're more concerned about how many, listen, listen, listen. We're more concerned about how many people follow us on social media and not how many people follow us into heaven. All right, we're going to go to the book of Leviticus. All right, Leviticus chapter six. I feel like preaching. Come on, somebody. I feel like preaching. Leviticus chapter 6, I was telling Pastor Joel there was a, there was a message that I, I've preached several times that I, I really wanted to preach today because it's real hype. And at the end, man, I start swinging a jacket around and it's like crazy, you know what I mean? And, and, and people start taking off their jackets and start swinging them around, you know. And I've preached that message a bunch of times and so I know it, you know what I mean? But I feel like I got a fresh word for you this morning and, uh, and I, I want to share it with you. Leviticus chapter 6 verse 8 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, command Aaron and his son, saying, this is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it, and the priest shall put on his linen garment, his linen trousers. He shall put on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering, which the fire has consumed on the altar." And he shall put them beside the altar, and then he shall take off his garments, put on other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it, and he shall burn it, the fat of the peace offering, a fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. I'm going to say it again. A fire shall always, no matter, no matter what's going on, a fire shall always be burning on the altar. No matter who's president, no matter what comes, no matter what we see, no matter what situations take place in our country, no matter how we're feeling, a fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. I want to preach for a few minutes along the lines. Don't let the fire go out. Don't let the fire go out. If you want to receive something from the Holy Spirit this morning, I'm about to preach. I want you to just slip both hands up with me. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And I just want you to pray with me right now. I pray to Jesus that you would come in power by the Holy Spirit and just reignite a fire in this place that you would reignite a fire in this house and in our hearts. I pray for those that their fire had been waning a little bit, that they would receive fresh fire this morning. I pray the kind of anointing would come into this room that would put the devil on the run. Come in, Lord, and show the enemy who's boss. I pray your power poured out like rain in this house this morning. I thank you you're going to say. I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for who you're going to set free. I thank you for the, 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 the yoke that's going to be broken in lives this morning. And I pray, God, Lord, have your way. And I pray as I preach publicly, God, that you would just preach privately, that you would walk down every row and every aisle and you would preach a private sermon in every heart this morning. And God, I ask you for your anointing. I dare not try to preach without it. Now, Lord, we believe that you're going to do great things in this place, but your credit is good here. So we're going to praise you now and you can do it later. Come on, if you believe God's about to speak a word in your spirit? Come on, make a little noise in the room this morning. Go ahead and slap your neighbor and say, don't let the fire go out. Don't let the fire go out. Don't let the fire go out. Now, Jessica and I, in our, in our daily Bible reading together, we just finished Leviticus a few weeks ago. And as Bible readers, most people don't like to read much of the book of Leviticus. It's right up there. We're going to the dentist. Come on, somebody. All right. 
If you ever read the book of Leviticus, it's a very arduous and, and intense book to read. But the entirety of the definition of the book of Leviticus or the word of Leviticus is not only the practices of the Levites, but a deeper understanding of the word Leviticus is actually found in Leviticus chapter 1, where the Bible says, and the Lord spoke. The Lord spoke. See, He spoke then and He speaks now. Leviticus, if you look at the root word for Leviticus, it's the word Levi. And Levi means joined to. Levi means to speak to, to connect to. And I'm glad to know that God can then and he connects to his people now. I'm glad to know that God spoke then and that God speaks now. What's amazing to me is that if you know the story, and I'm sure you do of the Jews when they escaped Egypt, it should have been an 11-day journey. It should have been an 11-day journey into the Land, but because of their rebellion, because of their lack of faith, because they, 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 because of their disobedience, they wound up making an 11-day journey and turning it into a 40-year journey. Have you ever spent longer in a season than you should have spent? Come on, where the real folk at? Have you ever spent longer in a season than you should have spent? You ever been in a situation that you think you should have been out of, but you are still there? I know I have. And here they are, they should have taken an 11-day journey, but because of their own mess, because of their own disobedience, because of their own sin, they stayed in the desert for 40 years. But what's amazing about this to me is that God did not ignore them while they were in the desert. God didn't ignore them while they were in a mess. God didn't ignore them while they were in a desert. God still spoke to them. They had trouble, but God still spoke to them. They made their own situation difficult, but God still spoke to them. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for a God that'll speak to me when I'm messing up. I'm thankful for a God that'll speak to me when I'm not where I need to be. I'm thankful for a God that'll speak to me when I lose my way and when I lose my mind and I don't consider my purpose. I'm glad for a God that did not ignore me when I was in the desert. You can sit out there and look cute all you want to, and you can act like you just, just because you're a Christian, you've never been in a desert, but it's been a desert of your own making. But is there anybody glad this morning that God doesn't ignore you when you're in a desert? Aren't you glad that, doesn't, that God doesn't act like he don't want anything to do with you when you're in a desert? Let me tell you about a God that'll speak to you in a desert. He'll talk to you on a bar stool. He'll talk to you with a crack pipe in your mouth. He'll talk to you when you come out of an affair. He'll talk to you while you're in a desert. That's one of the hopes that we give to a world that's jacked up and messed up, that's, that's beat up from the feet up and toe up from the flow up and messed up from the chest up, right? We, 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 have, we have hope to offer them that God loves you so much that he'll get in your desert and he'll talk to you. I, I, and you know, it's very powerful to me because in the desert, he, he began to talk to them about fire. Somebody say fire. Now, all of my life, I've heard about the fire. Come on, no, Pastor Joe, you know about my, my history. I, I, I've been Pentecostal. I was Pentecostal nine months before I was born, right? <laughs> I, I've always been in the fire and around the Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled work, and I've always heard things like, we need the fire, right? We need the fire. That, that service was on fire, right? That church is on fire. Lord, send the fire. Right? God, I can feel your fire. I'm on for God, right? And if you, if you tell somebody, you got to be careful because if you tell somebody your church is on fire that don't understand what you understand, they'll probably call 911 and tell you to go put the fire out. But religious folks are the same way. Religious folks don't like the fire. They're not interested in the fire. But here I am, I find myself 41 years old, raising three sons in a jacked up world, and I'm still interested in the fire. I, I still crave the fire. I'm still interested in the move of God. I'm still interested in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so as I laid the groundwork for this teaching, I really want us to discover the natural, the spiritual, and the supernatural angles as it relates to fire. If you understand fire from the dictionary, fire is defined as the act of principles for burning. 
It's characterized by heat and the light of combustion, the strong feeling of excitement. It means to ignite. It means to become excited. And so when we call down the fire of God, there's an excitement that should fill the room. But listen, I think many churches and and many in the church have prayed for the fire of God. We sought after the fire of God without correctly understanding what the fire of God is. We've talked about desiring that fire. We've talked about craving that fire. We've prayed for that fire. But if it came right down to defining what we were desiring, we really could not do it. And fire in the Bible is very powerful. The symbolism is very great. Of course, fire is this tremendous emblem of the Holy Spirit. Fire warms. Come on, somebody. I walked into Pastor Joel's office this morning, started sweating. I'm fat. I sweat. (laughs) Pastor Joel's skinny. He cold all the time. My wife walks into my office and she's you know, she walked into Pastor Joel's office and she said, oh, it feels good in here. Fire warms, right? It soothes. But hear me in this room this morning. Fire also in the Bible symbolizes God's holiness. And if you study the word of the Lord, you know that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And when he gave him the Ten Commandments, the mountain was filled with the fire of God's holiness. In Genesis chapter 9, we come to know through Sodom and Gomorrah that fire represents the judgment of God. When God poured out his judgment, he pours it out and it's called fire. Hell is a place of torment. The Bible says that it is a place of everlasting and unquenchable fire. And so when we pray for fire, we understand and we need to know that we are not praying for the judgment of God. The truth is nobody in their right mind would ever pray for the judgment of God. One of the most foolish things we ever hear people say in this generation is that, well, only God can judge me. Let let me tell you something, baby. You better pray that a God of unfathomable holiness never chooses to judge you or me. You better pray that God never chooses to judge any of us. I don't know about you, but I would not be here today if God chose to judge me. I am only here in this moment and in this time with you because Jesus took my judgment upon himself. And if I had to have judgment on my life, If I had to have judgment on my life, I am totally altogether unworthy and unqualified. And so when I call down the fire of God, certainly I'm not calling down the judgment of God. So what is the fire of God in this context? Let's try to understand why we're calling down the fire of God. Well, we understand in Leviticus chapter 6 and verse 13, the Bible says a fire shall always be kept burning on the altar. Listen, it shall never go out. It shall never go out. Here and in many places now, fire represents the presence of God. And so when we call down the fire of God, listen, we are literally calling down and asking and requesting for the presence of God. And it was that way for the Jews in the desert. As long as the fire burned, it symbolized for the Jews that God's presence was among them. That fire that we see was supernaturally lit. If you study your Bible, you'll find that that fire came down out of heaven and it came in and it invaded the Holy of Holies. Remember, there were three dimensions of the the wilderness tabernacle. There was the outer court, there was the inner court, and there was the Holy of Holies. In the outer court, everything that the priests did there, they did it by natural light. It represents the natural realm, what we see and do in the natural. It's the realm that says, I got to see it, I got to touch it, I got to taste it, I got to feel it, I got to hear it, or I won't experience it. 
But then there's a promotion that takes place and some people get into the holy place. And a holy place, the holy place is the place of the bread. It's the place of the worshiping altar. If you read your Bible in the Old Testament, it's the place of the candlestick. And it represents promotion. But still, even in the secondary realm, you got one foot out in the natural world and you're needing somebody to bring you bread for the table and oil for the lamp. And even though you've been promoted to that next place, you're still counting on a man. But can I tell you that there is a dimension where you can go that's called the realm of no explanation. It's slipping behind the veil. It's getting to a place where you can't explain how things are happening. And some of you, you've been living in a secondary realm waiting for a man to bring you the breakthrough and a man to bring you the answer and a pastor to bring you the bread and to bring you the oil. But I come to tell core church today, you better get ready because the next thing that happens, a man is not going to bring it to you. A man's not going to make it happen, but something's going to fall out of heaven and it's going to fall over your church fall on your family and it's going to fall on your community and there will be no explanation for it. Make a little noise if you're ready for that season. So that fire, that fire fell out of heaven and it came from underneath that curtain and it invaded the natural world. Aren't you glad that God still has something in heaven, that he still got something in heaven that can find its way into the natural world? Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing to me today. I wish I could find one person that believed God can still send something down out of heaven that can find its way right into your car, that can find its way right into your church, that can find its way into a hospital room, that can find its way into a busted up marriage, that can find its way in right into a struggling situation, that can find its way right into cancer, that can find its way right into a jacked up relational situation that can set somebody free. Anybody glad for a power that can come out of heaven and find its way into earth? Fire fell out of heaven and it came through the holy place and out to the outer court. And it lit the altar on fire and the brazen altar, the place of the blood, the place of the sacrifice. It lit that sacrifice and the wood on fire. And that fire was so important. The Bible says in the 24th verse that that fire came from the Lord and it consumed the burnt offering and the fat offering. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. And here were the instructions. Now, listen, they said, the fire shall not be put out. The fire shall always be burning. And see, the fire symbolized the presence of God. As long as the fire burned, they knew that they had nothing to fear. They knew that they had nothing to worry about. As long as the fire burned, they didn't have to worry at night. They didn't have to worry about the attacks. They didn't worry about the Hittites or the Amalekites or the Amorites or the Jebusites. Come on, somebody. Some of you have been worried about the demon-possessed co-worker-ites and the hard-headed family-ites. Come on, somebody. The demon-possessed wife-ites. I don't know nothing about that, baby. Y'all don't want to say nothing to me this morning. Y'all scared Come on, fellas, y'all scared. And the bill collectorites? Can I get a witness? But God said, when my power and my presence is there, it does not matter what comes against you because no weapon formed against you is going to prosper, but you got to keep the fire burning. You got to keep the fire burning. Don't, don't let the fire go out. 
They could not make it without the presence of God. They could not let the fire go out. And listen, neither can we. Hear me in this room. God sent that fire from heaven. He ignited that altar. But I want you to understand something. God required the fire, but tell your neighbor he also supplied it. He also supplied it. You know what that tells me? That tells me that what God requires, God supplies. I said what God requires, God supplies. He's not going to require something of you and then not give you the ability to ascertain it and put it into operation. What God requires, God supplies. He requires giving. He requires giving. He re- I'm going to say it again. He requires giving. And so what he does, he blesses you, not so that you can be blessed, but he blesses you. And so because he's blessed you, you give. You don't give to get blessed. You give because you're already blessed. He, he requires worship and adoration and praise. So he'll bless you. He'll show you how great he is. And then you can't help yourself. You find yourself in a moment and your hands start doing this and your hands start doing this. And you start declaring the majesty of God and the goodness of God and the greatness of God because you have seen him be faithful in your life. What God requires, God supplies. All right? Now, God gave specific instructions. Aren't you glad that when God gives you something to do, he shows you how to do it? Isn't it the worst thing in the world somebody tells you to do something and leave you there and don't tell you how to do it? Well, God doesn't do that. He gave them specific instructions that fire was to burn continuously on the altar. In other words, it was a sign. It was to be a sign that God was ready to receive whatever sacrifice they brought. The fire was to burn all the time. God was saying, I'm ready to receive your sacrifice. I'm ready to receive your worship. I'm ready to receive your adoration. I'm ready to receive the sacrifice that you want to bring anytime you want to bring it and any way you want to bring it. And I want to tell you this morning, it's still the same. God will receive your worship, your praise, your adoration, your exaltation. Anytime you want to give it, anywhere you want to give it, anytime you're ready to offer up a praise, he will inhabit the praise that you give with his presence. Now, listen, I think in this room, go a little bit deeper. I go a little bit deeper. So it's, it's so powerful to me. Man, y'all got to chill out. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Now, nah, bring it, bring it, bring it. Listen, it's so powerful to me because the priest, I, I, I don't say that because I don't like it. I say it because I do like it. And I'll preach for two hours. Y'all can, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I got a plane to get on. So we're good. Listen, it's so powerful to me because the priest has specific instructions as it related to the fire. See, it's important how you how you steward the fire of God. And so there were specific instructions how to steward the fire and the move of God. God said, I'm not I'm God said, I'm going to ignite it. God said, I'm going to start the fire, but it's got to be up. Listen, it's got to be up to the hungry priest to keep it going. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to start the fire, but the priest got to be hungry and they've got to steward the fire. They have to keep it going. He said, if the priests don't stay hungry, the fire will go out. I'm going to say that again. If the priests don't stay hungry, the fire is going to go out. If the priests don't do their job, the fire is going to go out. Some of us wonder why the church has lost so much influence in America. It's because we're not tending to the fire. We're more concerned about how many, listen, 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 we're more concerned about how many people follow us on social media and not how many people follow us into heaven. And what we got to have, 
What we got to have is some voices, not some echoes that will rise up in a generation and be empowered by the fiery presence of the Holy Spirit over their lives. But listen, if you want it, you got to be hungry for it. You won't have it unless you are hungry for it. We got parents right now who want their kids to worship in church, but they won't worship. Right? Parents who want their children to praise God, but they won't praise God. Right? Parents who want their kids to love the word, but they don't love the word themselves. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Parents who want parents who want to see a move of God, pastors who want to see a move of God, but they don't want to move themselves. Sir, you don't reproduce what you think and what you say and what you want. You reproduce what you are. Can I get a witness in the house? Some of us excited this morning and some of us are quiet, but people quiet. You don't say much when you're under surgery. You know what I'm saying? We got to we got to have the fire. Listen, we can't make it without the fire. We can't make it without the fire. God, I pray, Father, stir the fire anew. Can I tell you something, Pastor? The church won't have it till the pastor and the church staff can't live without it. All right? The church won't have it and they won't own it until the pastor and the church staff and the leaders and the dream team and the people who make the dream happen. They won't, if they don't have if they don't want it, if they can't live without it, then the church won't have it. Now listen, it was a it was a fresh sacrifice every day. It was a fresh sacrifice every day. It was fresh wood every day. Man, how often do we try to do today's work on yesterday's sacrifice? All right? You can't do today's work on yesterday's sacrifice. We, we, we want today's victory on yesterday's fire. But God said, I need something fresh every day. Because at the end of every day, now look, I want to give you your Bible. Now this is in your Bible. At the end of every day, those ashes were swept away from that altar, right? The burned sacrifice where the blood and the sacrifice had taken place, it was swept off that altar and something new happened every morning. And if you study, you'll read that the priest took those ashes out of the camp and they carried the ashes, which represented the failures and the sin and the jacked upness of all the people. Right, And he put on garments that were pure and clean. And he carried those ashes far away. And the symbolism is so powerful because when he carried those ashes away, every morning started with a brand new sacrifice. Every morning started fresh. You know, it's a tremendous picture of our high priest Jesus, pure and clean, who carried our sins away. And now we are redeemed. He carried the ashes of your trouble away, the ashes of your failure away. And there is a new sacrifice every morning. And it's where the Bible says his mercies are new every morning morning. Oh, I wouldn't be here without the mercies of God. You know what? You don't know what I've come from. You don't know what I've done or what I've been through, but God has been mighty, mighty good to me. And I would submit to you that you only made it to core church this morning because mercy has been new in your life. Who's thankful for the mercy of God? Now, God is clear about his instructions. He tells them specifically what he wants. And one of the things that he demanded was that the fire that was used to burn the incense at the table of worship right in the front of the veil, that was the last stop before you went into the Holy of Holies, the realm of no explanation. The source of that fire had to come from the brazen altar. You could not get that fire from anywhere else. And so God instructed the people. He said, fire go out. Don't let the fire go out. And check it out. For eight centuries, for eight centuries, it stayed lit. Can you imagine? For eight centuries, eight over 800 years, the fire never went out. 
For eight centuries, they maintained that fresh fire. And every morning there was a new sacrifice. That fresh fire that fell down out of heaven and lit the brazen altar on fire, representing the blood of Jesus Christ. It was a place of sacrifice. It was a place where the blood flowed. And for eight centuries, that fire stayed lit. But through the rebellion and the disobedience of God's people and the insurrection in the hearts of the people, the hand of the Lord and the presence of the Lord, it lifted off of Israel. And there was a Babylonian king, you remember his name, name, King Nebuchadnezzar. He came and he conquered the land. And that wicked king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he burned the temple down to the ground. He destroyed the brazen altar and he extinguished the fire that had been lit by God centuries before. It's the same thing that the world's trying to do to the church today. He's, the world is trying to extinguish the fire of God. And hear me, church, when the fire went out, Israel, when, when the fire went out in Israel, bondage came. When the fire went out, pain came. When the fire came out, struggle came. When the fire went out, tears came came. When the fire went out, joy left the building. When the fire went out, peace left. When the fire went out, everything good from heaven went out. When the fire went out, depression came. And I never see again in the Old Testament where the fire of God was supernaturally lit at that altar in the Old Testament. Read your Bible. When the fire went out, trouble manifested. The Jews could not make it without the fiery presence of God. They could not sustain themselves without the fiery presence of God. They could not be effective without the fiery presence of God. They could not control their enemies without the fiery presence of God. They could not overcome their attacks without the fiery presence of God. They could not know victory without the fiery presence of God. They could not know rest without the fiery presence of God. They could not experience breakthrough without the fiery presence of God. And let me tell you something, church, if the Jews could not make it without the fiery presence of God, how do we think in 2023 that we're going to make it without the fiery presence of God? I got to have it. I got to have it. I got to have it. Pastor, I can't speak for you, but I'm going to dance with the one who brought me to the dance. I can't make it without the fiery presence of God. Make a little noise in this room if you got to have the fiery presence of God. Now listen, read your Bible. Read your Bible. That fire went out. They let the fire go out. And I never read again where that fire was lit by God. I never read again. In the Old Testament, men lit it. Men came back and they lit it. They lit it, but God never lit it again. It went out in 586 B.C. And that fire never came back again. In 586 B.C., it was extinguished. And you look from Malachi to Matthew, 400 years, there was not even a prophetic voice that spoke to that generation. And the fire went out, and man tried to light it, but it was never the same fire. How many of you know that man can't produce what God can produce? Man can't do what God can do. And I'll let you know that we can light what we want to light and we can sing what we want to sing and we can have all the toys and all the things and we can do what we want to do. But there is no substitute for the genuine presence of God. There is no substitute for the genuine presence and fire and outpouring of God's power. Listen to me in this house. It seemed like it was over. It seemed like the days of fire had come and gone. It seemed like the door was shut in heaven. It almost seemed like God said, I did it before, but I will not do it again. The fiery days are over. The fiery days are done. 
They didn't guard my fire. They didn't appreciate my fire. They didn't do what it took to keep my fire. They didn't, they didn't want my fire. They didn't maintain my fire. They didn't steward my fire. And it looked like the door was shut forever. It looked like God was done sending supernatural fire to his people. It looked like it was over and it was going to stay over until finally we see the sparks of fire from heaven making contact with earth. And we hear about a man named John the Baptist. And he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But the one who's coming after me is mightier than I. And I'm not even worthy to carry his Jordans. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will immerse you in the Holy Spirit. He said he's going to bring something to you from another world. And I'm telling you that fire came through Jesus 2,000 years ago. And it may have went out in Israel in 586 B.C., but 2,000 years ago, they were in an upper room, 120 of them, to receive the power of God that he had promised to them. And the Bible said that tongues as of fire sat down upon each of them, and it started burning 2,000 years ago. And somehow, it made it from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. Even in the dark ages, when it seemed like it was over, somebody was maintaining the fire. Somebody was stewarding the fire. Somebody was keeping it going. And now here we are in 2023 and it came from my great grandmother and it came from my grandmothers and it came from my mother and my father and it came down and it came down and it came down in some kind of way. It found its way to me. And here I am in 2023. I am linked to that same fire, that same fire that was poured out in the upper room. And what you what you have to decide today is, am I going to be a part of the generation that lets the fire go out? Am I going to be in the generation that doesn't make room for the fire of God? Oh, God, help me this morning. It's not, I'm not letting the fire go out. I refuse to let the fire go out. The Holy Ghost is going to burn. The Holy Ghost is going to burn in my family, in my church, in my ministry. Somebody say, don't let the fire go out. Now, listen to me. I know sometimes we go through fiery trials. Some of you are in a fiery situation right now. But I want to remind you that no matter how big your fire is, that the fiery presence of God is what you need. You might be in the fire, but the fire is in you. You might be in the fire, but the fire is in you. Remember, the fire represents the presence of God. And maybe you feel like you're in a fire right now. I read a story in the Bible about Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego, and they were thrown into the fire. That sounds like a bad day to me. And the fire was seven times hotter, like Pastor Joel's office, and they get thrown into this fire. And they're waiting to die. But if you read the Bible, in the fire, listen to me, this is a word for somebody in this room. In the fire, all that burned off of them was what bound them up. The ropes burned off of them. I'm going to say it again. All that burned off of them was what had them bound up. Some of y'all, you've been through a fire. You've been in the fire and the devil says, I'm going to kill you in this fire. But God brought me here to tell somebody, I'm just burning off of you what you don't need. God brought me to Lawrenceville, Georgia to tell somebody, you're going to learn to praise him in the fire. You're going to learn how to break through in the fire. You're going to learn that he's real in the fire. You're going to discover him in the fire. You're going to see that God is a God who makes a way out of no way in the fire. And what bound up, what had you bound up is going to burn off of you in the fire. Now listen, some of y'all, you've been in the fire and the only thing happened in the fire was that you got freed from the mess that bound you up. Now listen to me. Shadrach. Meshach, Abednego are in the fire. They're getting free. Listen to me. They're getting free. Listen to me. You might be in the fire, but your next level is in the fire. Thank you. 
Right? You might be in the fire this morning, but your miracle's in the fire. You might be in the fire this morning, but your healing is in the fire. Your wholeness is in the fire. Your next level is in the fire. Your breakthrough is in the fire. Your comeback here is in the fire. My goodness, I wish somebody would praise him in this place. Them boys are standing in the fire, and, 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 and all of a sudden, they start counting. And they're like, one, two, I got smoke in my eyes. One, two, Three, four, 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 four. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Who is that joker? One, two. Three. I, I thought, I, I thought there were three. Hang on, hang on. Let, let me count it. Out. One, two, three, four. The Bible says that there was a fourth man in the fire that was likened unto the Son of God. Let me tell you something. There's a fire in the fire that's greater than the fire you're in. Oh, I'm going to say it again. There's a fire in the fire that's greater than the fire you're in. I said there's a fire in the fire that's greater than the fire. There's a fire in the fire that's greater than your attack, greater than your challenge, greater than your depression, greater than your anxiety, greater than your fear, greater than your doubt, greater than your lack of faith, greater than your, your insecurities, greater than all of the attacks of the enemy. Slap your neighbor and say there's a fire in the fire that's greater than the fire you're in. Listen to me this morning. I believe all of my heart that God wants to pour out fresh fire on this place. Amen. Listen, I wanted, to, I wanted to preach that other message because I get to sling jackets around and stuff. <laughs> I, maybe I, if I get invited back, if I ain't cause too much trouble, maybe I get invited, I'll preach that one another day. But I want to preach that other message. But I believe with all of my heart that God wants to pour out fresh fire on, yeah. on every generation in this room. Yes. We have to decide that we're not going to be the generation that lets the fire go out. Because, you know, the fire of God and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit is one of those things that people in churches, they want to stay away from because you can't explain it. But I don't want a God that I can explain. I, I, I don't want a God that I can explain. If I can explain him, then he's not God. And so you got to decide as a church, core church, we ain't going to let the fire go out. Because somebody in Lawrenceville has to steward the fire. Somebody, there's got to be a church and a generation of people that rise up that said, you know what? We're going to steward the fire. We're going to steward the fire. We're going to steward the fire. We're going to crave the fire. We're going to manage the fire. God, we want the fire. I, we want the fire of your presence. We want the fire of your spirit. God, we want the fire. We're going to close with this in Yosemite Park. There's something that they do there that they call the firefall. Listen to me. It's a very powerful thing that they used to do many years ago. They would gather all of the redwoods together and all of the brush that had been in the way and choking out the growth of the redwoods and the trees that were valuable. And they would gather all the dead stuff together on the top of this mountain on this granite cliff. Listen to me. They would, they would gather all of it together on this granite cliff that came down into this huge area. And these bulldozers would they would push all these dead redwoods together and all of this underbrush together that had been choking out the life, the growth. And they did something that they called the firefall. And thousands of people would come from that area and they would push all of this together and they'd set it on fire. And they'd set it on fire. And then at the right time, the people down below would begin to yell, let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. 
I've seen pictures of it. Fire came cascading down this granite cliff. All the people are shouting, let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. And they gathered there in mass just to experience the fire fall. There was an old man several years ago that went to the ranger station where they used to headquarter this event. And he said to him, he said, tell me, where's the fire fall? I used to go there when I was a little boy and I remember it was around this time of year and I, I'd like to go there again and I, I'd like to see it. And the ranger looked at him and he said, you know what? The fire doesn't fall here anymore. The fire, it used to fall here, but it doesn't fall here anymore. Pastor Joe, isn't it sad that that's what could be said about so many churches, that the fire doesn't fall here anymore? There was an article a while back, scientists began to discover that when they stopped doing the firefall, terrible things began to happen in Yosemite. The caption of the article said, fire is falling again at Yosemite. They had to do it because, listen to me, when a redwood gives forth seedlings, the seedlings have a husk around them. And that seed cannot take root in the ground until the husk is burned off. That husk has to be burned away or the next generation of redwoods won't know what it is to grow and find roots and only the fire can burn the husk away. And we're trying to raise a generation that has husk all over them. They're bound by pornography. They're bound by things on their computer. They're seeing things they've never seen before. They're being told that any sexual lifestyle is okay. They're being told every lie out of hell. And they have a husk around their lives. But we come in and we have these cute little services. And they're void of the presence of God. And they have no outpouring of the fire of God. And we wonder why we're losing a generation. Unless and until we have a fresh visitation of the fire of God... We will never see the next generation planted like we were planted. See, there's a generation that if you do not bring the fire to them, they will stay bound and embittered. And if you don't bring the fire, the fire to them, they will not know freedom. So now again, Pastor Joel, they say the fire is falling in Yosemite. And the people gather at the bottom of the cliff and they scream with all of their heart. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. Let the fire fall. 